everyone, and welcome to the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast. With us are our hosts, Dave. Hey. And Kay. Ho. Oh. And I am Patrick, like I always have been for the last two podcasts. We'll see if that lasts. So, what have you guys been up to since we last chatted? You want me to start? Oh my god, Dave, you say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, game-wise, I, I got... Finally got a copy of Dragon Force. Um, been kind of getting into that. Kind of reminds me of like the the battles in like Suikoden or something, where it's kind of like rock paper scissors. I, I don't you. know. I'm I'm still trying to get a hang on it. But uh, speaking of Dragon Force, I helped Kay with some uh, some vector art for Dragon Force too. So much appreciated, by the way. That was cool. I'm glad that it worked out. He gave me. He supplied me with a a good scan because I couldn't find anything online. So there's a Dragon Force a too. There is a Dragon Force 2, and it has a fan translation. And our buddy Kay here does some really good reproductions with packaging and, and excellent printed discs. So I think he's uh, in back orders right now for PRGE, but then after that, you could hit him up. Am I right? You are right. Um, I'll probably be one of those people hitting you up. but um, just, We're pretty I, close from uh, the back order being done. I'm just waiting until after the expo, because I know you... I'm not in any hurry. And then uh, Road Rash, finally got a copy of that, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. I love the music. I'm, I'm digging the music from Soundgarden and all these other 90s grunge bands and stuff like that. So Great game. It is a great game. Like, very underrated. Well, I don't know if it's underrated, but, like, I had low expectations. But, um, you know, it's one of those classic, like, 90s EA games when EA was actually pretty good. Um, and then Clockwork Night Penguin War or Clockwork Night Puzzle. I managed to get an ISO of that uh, from Hidden Palace, and I've been actually playing that quite a bit, uh, trying to come to grips with the gameplay, which it, it varies kind of, you know, depending on the stage um, with each map that you play. Um, some of the gameplay elements change, and there's even some influences there that are kind of like choo-choo rockets, so that's a lot of fun. And then finally... Just uh, messing around with Netlink over VoIP, which is something that Kay and I took for a test drive, and um, it worked out okay. I mean, there was there's quite a bit of lag on there, but um, direct we out did it at midnight because we did it at midnight. Yeah, that, and I mean, VoIP is not ideal for you know online gaming, but um, this trick kind of uh, you know if you get all the settings right and everything, like kind of tricks it into working pretty well. You know, because VoIP isn't is designed for low quality audio. Um, from voices and it's not really designed to be constantly waiting for an instruction you know like from a troller or something like that so the way that they've kind of got it caught the settings dialed in it kind of makes it work so um, what exactly so- is uh what exactly was the speed on that thing because i imagine it had to be similar to a 56k modem right well the the net link is a 288k modem and then on top of that we happen to be testing like bomberman it happens to be like the the, the one of the slowest, the laggiest option, but you know. Do you think that's of... more has to do with the modem rather than the internet connection? Because I mean, 28k is going to be pretty slow compared to what we're used to today. So maybe it's like one of those um, what's that word called? Uh, clouded memories. I don't think so. I mean, gaming, you know, 95, 96 over modem, and the it was still responsive. It's just that we're forcing a technology that was used to having a much wider frequency band to be uh, used in a way it wasn't ever designed to be used. Yeah. 
All right, what about you, uh, Kay? What have you been up to? Uh, slamming out more back orders and just about ready to get those announced and shipped out. Been uh, very heavily involved in making uh, fresh uh, rips, dumps of my Saturn games for the redump project. Uh, so far, I think I've got maybe about 20 or 30 games um, ripped and archived. And, nice. Uh, Out of how many games total? 600. <laughs> Have oh. you run across a lot of data holes? or? No. Um, and I had a lot of uh, Saturn uh, software that uh, has not been dumped before. So I, I had a, a Dempa Shonen Techie game, which had two versions that were released. And I have the rarer version of that, and it had not been dumped before, apparently. So it's just like a, a bunch of them. Uh, and I decided to start off with like my uh, European games. Um, but in any case, they're, they're dumped, uh, and at some point they'll become part of the archive project once I get them processed, and they'll be available for public consumption somewhere. Cool. cool. So do you have any sort of priority listings? Is it like a US first, a UK first, or is it like a... A alternation thing. Um, I, I was originally going to just uh, do anything I could in English and then the heaviest hitters for Japan, but um, Fireball from the Redump Project, uh, he and I have been in contact, and uh, he gave me a hit list. So um, I kind of switched gears from doing all my European games to being whatever's on this hit list. Uh, eventual goal, though, right? Like For those who've been talking with me for a long time and uh, know me as a murder of crows the archive project um, has always been every single Saturn software I can get my hands on being dumped using the same process the same tools, the same hardware um, and then uh, accompanying it with like high quality scans of the disc, high quality scans of the disc art, um, scans of the manuals, even tearing the manuals apart if I have to and getting them all up online Basically, to kind of eradicate places like um, was like ISO Paradise or EMP ISO Paradise. Zone. The the thing with those websites, right? They've served a purpose, which is you know I don't have the game. Let me go download the game, and this will probably work. But they don't have any verification process to tell if they got a good dump or not. So mm -hmm. um, the goal of this is that every single uh, disc was ripped from my originals. They're not you know just uh, something I downloaded off the internet and repackaged. Um, they are designed uh, to work automatically with Rhea and Phoebe. So it, you just drop them into your folder and run the executable to for our menu and pop it into your SD card and you're good. Um, they are clone CD images, so that's the most accurate, you know, using the CCD format. And they're all dumped mm -hmm. using Redump's um, disk image creator tool. So trying to get as accurate of a dump that just works. Um, the most important thing for me... Um, at least in regards to Saturn, was getting it, you know, a, accurate as possible of a rip uh, or dump, and uh, making sure it's preserved. I gotcha. How much extra work would you need to burn it to a disc? Uh, PC users can use alcohol um, or Nero. Um, mm. There's a, a Q file in there. I think it might work with Image Burn, but I'm not a huge fan of the bin Q format. What about Clone CD? Clone CD will work. It's natively CCD. So right. if you have Clone CD, um, and if you don't have Clone CD, I mean, it is a fantastic program. Yeah, uh, I recommend it too. But 
yeah. So wouldn't take much to, to burn. It, the image file is going to be there um, with the CCD file and a, a Q file that should be able to work with most other you know, processes. But yeah, um, on a side note to that, one of the other things that I had done in the past two weeks was um, I went over to Drew Kern's house. Uh he is a personal friend of mine in the Northwest, um, and he has held on to uh, our uh, mutual friend Don Russell's stack of Saturn uh, prototypes and betas. And this is where our really exciting news comes in for everybody. Um, during this podcast, at some point, uh, we will be uh, releasing uh, the link to download Armed, also known as Aftermath. This is an unreleased game for the Sega Saturn. Uh, it was also developed for the PlayStation. I believe that at the point of this build, it was about 70% complete, but it is a game that you can play from start to finish uh, and actually beat. And uh, Drew um, wanted me to rip his uh, prototype before he sold it to make sure that it was preserved properly. So, um, And the rest of Don's discs are still over with Drew, and Don and I are going to get together sometime around PRGE, probably after PRGE, to finish off. But he's got about 50-some-odd prototypes, 50 to 100 uh, prototypes and betas. And there were a minimum of five unreleased games for the Saturn. Only a minimum of five? Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, um, we had, like, Armed was one of them. Um, we had a couple of ports from uh, the Sega CD. There were at least two ports from the Sega CD. Um, there was a game that was released in Europe, but not in U.S., and we have the U.S. version. We actually have two builds of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another game that was unreleased for the Saturn, but it did come out on the PlayStation. So, so are those the ones that he currently has and you have access to, or the ones that, that are just known of? These are all ones that he has access to. I gotcha. Well, I have access to. Um, I've finished the second game that, uh, I guess the second one that would be really exciting for people. Um, it was released again, like I said, on the PlayStation, so it's not, you know, a, a super rare game by any means. But uh, the Saturn build um, has never been released, so uh, he's going to be selling that prototype fairly soon. So is he slowly going to be uh, burning these to you, building up hype, and then selling them? And the main purpose is that you know the stack of discs that um, Don had originally, uh, he's had them for eight years now and there's been some physical damage to some of them and uh don's health issues has kind of prevented uh he and i from getting together and getting the discs preserved properly uh at some point drew um traded with don uh two of the rarest actual printed saturn games uh in exchange for the two uh unreleased prototypes and so Drew is the proper owner, or was the proper owner of Armed. He just sold it, and the other game, uh, you know, the one that was released on PlayStation but not on Saturn. And I have to meet back with him to take the uh, disc back because uh, I've I've gotten a successful dump of that now. That's really cool that they're actually not being like the scumbags you see online where they're like, "Oh, I'll sell it, and whoever wins it, hopefully they won't hold it forever." And they're actually like giving it to you to actually distribute to people that want to try it out and actually survive on the internet. That's nice of them. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the main message that needs to get out to people, right? Like if, if you're expecting this game to have never been dumped, you know, and that's what your interest in the game is, 
I hate to break it to you. It's not only been dumped by me, but it was also dumped by, I believe, the gentleman from uh, Hidden Palace. There's a whole backstory behind that. Um, but it's been held uh, in trust until we got a proper dump and could get some you know, authorities in this field. I'm, I'm definitely not one of them. I'm kind of a neophyte to this. But to actually have the data checked and see, you know, did we have read errors? Do we need to use a, a different process of getting the information off the disk? Do we have bad hardware? So it's taken you know, at least three or four people, you know, a couple of weeks to get this whole moving machine in motion. But now that it is, uh, they will be for sale. And it's more about owning a you know, piece of Saturn history that no one else can own. Right, that you, exactly. you can only have one original prototype for any of these things, or however many they they might have made. But for a 23 year old system, most people had not heard of Armed, you know, prior to the recent flurry of information that's come up. Is there so any the backstory fact, behind the game, or there's there's a little bit about it, but I don't have all that information. I can tell I you gotcha. that when you download the file, every piece of information that I could scrape together um, on the game got put in there including like a magazine scan um thanks credit to uh unseen 64 um all the screenshots i could find any imagery at all um all got shoved into there and i put links to unseen 64 and to the archive.org for you know the various things but i pulled all that media together so you get it all in one spot just making sure credit gets out to who needs that credit nice and that's an interplay game right yeah, it is. Developed by Point of View, and they are the same studio that would be chosen to do Sonic Extreme, one of the builds. They, they did a couple other games, too, but that was the most notable one that I saw that they were involved with. So after Armed, is there, is there any other games that are sort of on a uh, wanted hit list for finding these uh, betas or unreleased games? There are quite a few, and I think what we're going to do later in the in the cast, we'll talk a little bit about some of the unreleased and the rare stuff because we actually have that as a Q and A question from the the crowd, the fans. Cool. So, what have you been up to, Patrick? Oh, uh, been super duper busy this week. It's like a bunch of projects I had to do, work stuff ramping up. So, uh, what I was actually was going to do is I was going to solder together my Neo Geo stick. I crimped all the connectors and all the things together. It's literally sitting on my bed. Right now, waiting for me to solder them into the... I think it's a D, DA25. Then solder those together and solder all that to the Neo. Just got to get, get around to do that. I was hoping to do it tonight, but I'm pretty tired. So that might either be next weekend or tomorrow sometime. But I'll let you know. I also just got the battery from the Neo, like the replaceable battery. So I need to solder that in too. So I, I think I might just do it in the morning when I'm not tired as balls and I'm just trying to solder onto a board. Yeah, both alcohol and uh, tiredness are a bad combination with soldering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't been drinking, so I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in general, both of those are bad things, whether you've been drinking or not. Yeah, you don't want to mess around with a hot 600-degree a f- iron doing that. We have yeah. to do, like, a show about, like, you know, uh, horror stories from modders. Oh, uh, we'll have to do some get some douchey dance systems and bring in, uh, bring in Voltaire. He's got a lot of good stories. But that's for another cast. Anyways, uh, yep, but in terms of playing games, uh, my friend gave me Metal Slug 4 for the Neo Geo, so I'm playing a little bit of that. That's that's pretty fun. I've been really enjoying that. Uh, my friend Chris gave it to me, shouts out. That was really nice of you to do that, and I offered him money, but he wouldn't take it, so he's just like, oh, yeah, just take wow. it, man. Just look out for me. Super cool. So, thanks, Chris. In terms of the Saturn, I've been playing uh, some Batsugan. 
trying to get good at that. I'm really bad at that game, but I really enjoy it. Especially so the fun, yeah, the soundtrack is killer. It's got that uh, that for sharp sixty-eight thousand sound. Or the uh, no, the Yamaha YM, whatever the one for the Genesis. But that's pretty fun. I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, sucking, but it's a lot of fun. Also, been playing some King of Fighters '98, and I had a funny story about that. So. I was, I was looking up the soundtrack, listening to it, and uh, for any of you that know King of Fighters 98, you know it has a, a rap intro about the old King of Fighters. Yep. So there's this one point in when the static comes on that uh, in the U.S. game, and it's it's just static for a couple seconds, but in the Japanese version, you can hear clear c- cursing in the background. I looked it up and did some research, and it turns out that it's actually a couple guys saying, play that shit like you got your mother effing check, you, you're you gonna come pick up some dank or something like that. It's really weird. I don't know why they had that in the actual game, but they sent it in the US luckily, but uh, it's actually really prominent in another, uh, I think it's like the credit song. You can hear them say the full thing without like instrumentals and stuff. So I don't know whose decision that was. I think maybe they were trying to get some, I don't know, some some rap sounding stuff, but I just, it just didn't come out the way they want it to be. Or maybe it came out exactly they want the way they could could have been yeah get published right. I guess so, but I don't know why you'd want to put that and limit the game because it's like you put an f bomb, you have to put parental guidance on the on the game. But well, that's a pretty cool find, and I know that you linked to me and we were talking about it last night. There's some uh, YouTube links we can probably put up with the cast for people who wanted to hear curse words in a published game. Yeah, uh, if you could, Dave, you'd probably just put it in, and I'll send you a link to it. Sure. All right. Well, so, before we get too much further, um, something that uh, I forgot to have us do during the last week or two. Apparently, we have friends and fans. You know, all of like three or four of you who are listening to us. I uh, want to throw out some big shout outs uh, to uh, Johnny Mono and uh, uh, Shane from uh, Bits, Bases, and Baskets. Uh, they those guys are local to my area. But Johnny uh, actually had listened to our previous podcasts and seems to be really interested and he talked this up pretty big on one of their last pass themselves the end of their show probably about two three minutes of giving us lots of praise and you know it's very humbling and i'm maybe speaking for everybody here grateful that you guys like the content and thank you very much uh to you guys yeah thank you guys that was really nice yes thank you very much i i've i actually didn't hear about your podcast until Kay brought it up but i think i'll give it a give it some listens thanks it's definitely worth it it's a you kind of like a, a focus on on pop culture in general and some sports and i've listened to uh, to quite a few of their you know more recent ones i'm kind of like a recent convert to the whole podcast thing in general but uh, good entertainment uh they they hit sports they hit video games they hit you know even some politics in that particular episode it's kind of nice. cool good i'll stuff. have to check it out thanks guys really appreciate it i also uh want to thank uh my friend dave uh, he runs the rose dungeon uh, it's another podcast and uh, kind of like a e-federation wrestling league. He gave us a nice little shout out on his Facebook page as well. So thank you very much, Dave. Miss you, buddy. Thank you. Okay. So um, moving on to our you know, kind of like a Q&A-ish section. I wanted to, uh, we talked about this uh, the other night, uh, the possibility of doing a obscure game of the week. And since we're bi-weekly well is it bi-weekly or is it every it's bi-weekly so i guess it's every the game of every two weeks game of every two weeks 
And uh, Dave couldn't make this, you know, powwow, but uh, Patty Cakes and I were talking about it. And we're going to nominate uh, the Obscure Game of the Week as being Groove on Fight, which is Power Instinct 3. I actually didn't even know it was a Power Instinct game. I just remember seeing it in the arcades and playing it on, uh, on, on my Saturn with my friends. I, I didn't know. So yeah, I had no idea. I guess maybe so, they should have marketed it better. Right. Well, it wouldn't be obscure if, uh, if it had, you know, been more of a success, I suppose. Yeah, that game was weird. I, I remember the first thing I saw was in a magazine. There was like, uh, I didn't understand the context, but there were these two naked girls, like, like I guess like draining the blood or something of this one guy. And I didn't know the context. I was like, wait, are they like doing what I think they're doing in the game? But it turned out it was just like them suck. This old lady sucking the life spirit. So right. I actually didn't. I actually didn't like know that at first. So I guess that's what really interested, interested me in the game. And I picked it up, and it was it was pretty de- a pretty decent fighter. For not being made by like you know the the big T right, it's not an SNK fighter, it's not a, a Capcom fighter. Yeah, I mean it, it definitely beats Strip Hello. Fighter. Um, so Dave, what's your experience with uh, Groove on Fight? Do you have much of one? Uh, burned disc. <laughs> I, it's cool. It, it reminds me of uh, there were quite a few Japanese. 2D fighting games that didn't make it over to the US and they all had an interesting kind of move mechanics and animation and I'm not sure if they are connected in any way um, there was another one called like um, Asuka 120% or Asuka uh, As- are those two like by the same company they kind of have the same visual look to me but I'm not sure I, both of my copies are 12 feet away um, okay so well just reaching from memory, um, Groove on Fight struck me as kind of like a bizarre, kind of twisted fighting game, but cool. You know, good art, uh, decent music, and animation sequences and stuff. I don't know, definitely a little Japanese. Um, Very Japanese. Very just, Japanese. Yeah, just different. And not, you know, it's not your Capcom and it's not your SNK. You know, it's it's not even your Sunsoft fighter. You know, it's kind of like. You and that Sunsoft company. Well, you know, those those three, though, Capcom, SNK, and even Sunsoft to a lesser extent, they all have their kind of style as far as fighting games go. Um, and you kind of know what to expect. But um, there are quite a few obscure Japanese fighters that kind of just are a little bizarre and kind of come from left field as far as I'm concerned. But And Groove on Fight is one of those. But it's, it's not bad at all. It's a solid, like, 80%. Yeah, it, it kind of has like a, a feel of some of the I, I would say modern. I'm using my quote fingers there. Uh, 2D fighters, uh, ones that played it straight, like Street Fighter. You know, as, as straight as you can if you're you know, a monster that's electrified or you know throwing out fireballs. But um, in comparison to Street Fighter, which I would consider a lot more straight, uh, it was much more wacky, right? So yeah. something kind of like Blaze Blue and you know, those exactly. You know. So. The reason why Groove on Fight um, and why I really wanted to you know, pitch this game is obscure. Number one, fighting game fans don't come to the Saturn for this game, so it falls in the obscure line. It is kind of weird. It's a little bit blaze blue, you know, and uh, games of that nature. Um, but the biggest thing for me is that its multiplayer is probably one of the best fighting multiplayers I've ever played. You have to get past you know, some of the game mechanics because it is, it, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of like a, a B-rated fighter uh, in its control scheme. Um, it still plays pretty well, but where it took off, um, I'm a big multiplayer fan. I used to have um, you know a bunch of guys come over to my house on Saturday, Sunday, 
and play for a couple of hours and we mostly played fire pro but when we wanted something a little bit different we throw on groove on fight surprisingly daylights out of all these guys never saw any game like this before um you have a tag system that plays uh, very similar to the way that like dead or alive 3 dead or alive 4 dead or alive you know 5 um, has its tag system uh the difference though is that the partner tags themselves in as opposed to the active player tagging out yeah that was a pretty neat feature and you were telling me that if uh if you actually have the multi-tap you can actually connect four saturn controllers and actually play it with four players yeah i guess that's the part that i'm i'm missing here i mean when i've played you know multiplayer on dead or alive it was a four-player affair and people could tag into their partner and have all of those uh controllers active but it was the first time where I experienced a tag fighting game that you could have four players on. You know, most of them were like X-Men versus Street Fighter. You had one player playing two different characters. Um, I think maybe the closest might have been dramatic battle mode in Zero Three, where you could have like two players versus a computer-controlled character. That's still pretty unique for the Saturn. I don't remember any of the other multi-taps doing something like that. Yeah. The other thing about it, I don't remember any other game or any other console having a game that was dynamic in this way. The mode was limited, if I remember correctly, to just versus. So you know, it, it felt probably like it was more of a tacked on idea. But even then, having that synchronicity, right? First player starting off a combo, second player knows when to tag in and continue the combo. Uh, it's not as deep as some of the more modern ones. You know, this game came out, what, 96, 97, somewhere around there. Good year, good uh, year. Yeah, a lot of good stuff came out in that time period. But in any case, um, you know, it's something that if you got a bunch of friends and you want to show off some of the more interesting things the Saturn can do, this is uh, one I'd recommend. You know, grab a multi-tap, grab four controllers, plug them in, and play a wacky fighter for a little while. You know, the characters are unique, uh, very interesting. Uh, move sets are very Street Fighter, so you can pick up and play. Um, we almost ran this as a side tournament over at Cowlitz this year. Just thought that it might have been inappropriate for some of the, the characters and you know, some of their move sets that we ended up not going this way. But we really were close on you know trying to do a more grown-up tournament uh, where you know it wasn't the little kids coming around for a fighting game. Yeah. You should have done an, but, a, an adult thing where you like like a after after like dark game game session. Well, since the event for Calitz is you know it is Calitz Gamers for Kids and it's oh well that makes sense. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was on our radar the whole time because we wanted to show off the Saturn. And Knights was the, the premier game to do it, but we also wanted to have a fighting game tournament and people go to the, the usuals for fighting games you know, on the Saturn. It's sure. going to be King of Fighters, it's going to be Street Fighter, Darkstalker, Slash Vampire, uh, maybe the X-Men Versus series. We wanted something that was a little quirky that no one had seen before. But, you know, its quirkiness is also its downfall. In Right. But yeah, so... You know, it's a it's an acquired taste, and I have to say, coming from a standpoint of just you know downloading the ISO and playing it by myself, I didn't have that experience, that multiplayer experience. So um, I didn't even realize that it had a beefy multiplayer. So uh, I'm gonna have to check that out with some friends. That's cool. Cool stuff. Yeah, I think we got some uh, good opinions on that. So would you all recommend to pick up Groove on Fighting? How much is it? I've seen it um, at local uh, events um, for under 50. 
Uh, keep in mind, it does require um, a RAM cart, and so there were two packages. And this is one of the few non-Capcom ones that requires the 4 meg RAM cart, I believe. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it ran me... Um, I've got both the, the RAM cart version and the non-RAM cart version, and I don't think I paid more than $40 for either one of them. I think I would recommend it at that price. And would you guys recommend it be better with a fight stick, or could you get away with the pad and it would be fine? If you're using the Japanese style pad, um, it's it's fine. You don't need a fight stick for pretty much any of the fighters, honestly. On the Saturn, the, the pad is just sublime. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I don't know. My hands get really cramped on the using the digital pad though. After a while, like my fingers, and it's like my fingers just kill me. So I gotta use the stick. Are, are you holding it like a normal pad, like you'd hold an NES pad, or are you holding it like top down? I'm holding it normally. I, I wouldn't hold it top down. I, when I play fighters, um, a lot of the fighters, I, I play so that um, I have three fingers on the button side. Uh, uh, if that makes any sense? You, you, it it you makes play sense. It like a fight stick. You use your first finger and middle finger on the D-pad, kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's I tried doing something like that, and it was way uncomfortable for me. It I'd works rather for just some people. Yeah, I'd rather just do the fight stick, but I'm kind of biased, so. Do you have like the virtuous stick, like the Japanese virtuous stick? I do. Yeah, I don't. I got the the actually the the good one with the Sumitsu stick inside of it. Yeah, that's it's nice. pretty cool. I need to. That's in my next project. That was desoldering all those buttons and replacing them with buttons that don't suck. Right. But mm-hmm. that's a whole other project. I have to desolder the entire thing, wire that shit up. So it's gonna be a whole other podcast too, where we start talking about good peripherals. That's like, that'd be a good one. We'll, we'll add that to the backlog. The ever growing ever-growing uh moving forward um one thing we wanted to talk about uh it is october it is uh october 6th at 10 22 p.m you just dated uh, it i just dated it right you know, me and me and the podcast we dated but um so it is october and all hollows eve is fast approaching uh there is currently a poll up in the sega collectors of america group um, we'll probably forward that poll to other locations as well for like, what, two listeners and other groups. Listen, um, don't give us that much credit. It's more like one and a half. I paid Johnny to, to say those things. No, I didn't. Uh, thanks, Johnny. Anyway, um, so Halloween. Um, we have this poll up. Uh, we have our own personal favorites, and we actually, uh, during podcast two, our outtake session, uh, we talked quite a bit about, you know, favorite Halloween games and what we'd put on a list of games to play on the Saturn for, you know, the spirit of the season. But we want to hear what your uh, choices for these games would be. And uh, the People's Choice Award, um, we're all going to play or attempt to play and talk about during our next podcast. No matter how no. bad or good it is. So right. if you want us to play Mr. Bones Wild Ride for podcast, we can do that. So, Patty Cakes here isn't a fan of Mr. Bones. I think it's a fantastic I want to get off of Mr. Bones' wild ride. <laughs> you are determined to make this podcast perverted in any way possible. No, no, that's... You never saw that? The Roller Coaster Tycoon meme? No, I haven't. Oh, there's this one meme where this guy made a roller coaster that, like, nobody can ever get off of. And the, the exit just leads back to the entrance of the roller coaster. So everyone's saying, I want to get off of Mr. Bones' wild ride over and over again. Where's your brain at, Kay? I have to admit that I've never seen this meme, but I'm also it's pretty good. the social outcast of this group. I mean, 
go out to Sega Saturn Collectors of America and to other Saturn groups soon, uh, probably on our own Facebook page, and do this poll and you know make us play some games and talk about some games uh, for Halloween. Yeah, let's get some games in there, guys. So um, we had some technical Q&A stuff, and I'm going to kind of breeze through this. Uh, oh, that's a good idea. Let's breeze through the technical stuff. Right. Um, the... The question started, like, uh, one of the members of one of the groups was uh, Chris Knoll. Uh, he had a Saturn where he couldn't keep any save uh, data on it. Uh, didn't know what was going on. and had actually changed uh, the batteries with fresh batteries, but they never worked for him. And kind of wanted to touch very lightly on, you know, saving data on the Saturn and troubleshooting that issue. Have you guys ever run into Saturns that didn't save that it wasn't the battery? I never did. All the ones that I have, no. one way or another, will save. Uh, I ran some issues, some issues where the internal clock didn't work properly. Where even if you, even if you replaced the battery, it wouldn't stop popping that clock up. But it would keep the saves on there, which was really weird. But huh, I've had luck with all of my Saturns just uh, using more expensive batteries, but they just tend to last a really long time. Yeah, so like I, I, my uh, Dreamcast, I have to replace the Dreamcast battery more often than I have to replace the Saturn. The, one, the internal one? Yeah, I've desoldered that and I replace it every so often. Um, but the Saturn one lasts, gosh, two, three years. Like I, I feel like knocking on wood. You know, like when is this thing gonna die? You know, and it, and I play it quite a bit. You know, so how often do you back up your saves to a memory card? Every time I do a game session I'm, I'm always backing everything up yeah don't worry because about I, it dude worst yeah, case scenario yeah. you lose maybe like one save yeah but if I'm doing RPGs and I'm putting in you know serious time and serious time isn't really something I have a lot of I don't want to lose that so well I mean you back up every game session so I mean yeah so I've, I've got nothing to worry about um, but I do that in spite of the fact that I've, I've never lost my saves so I can't remember the last time I replaced that battery. So one thing of advice is just don't get cheap batteries. <laughs> you know, get get some good, you know, Duracells. Get name brands, yeah. Duracells, Sony. Yeah. Panasonic. I don't know who, who else makes batteries. Um, Energizer. Energizer, yeah, those you know, are the San, good ones. Sanyos are okay. Energizer, you know, get a good battery. Don't go to a drugstore or a 99-cent store and expect those to last, you know, because they're not going to be... I go to, like, a watch store or, like, a Walmart and be like, okay, I need this CR2032 for a watch. I mean, and just get, like, a name brand, so... And these batteries aren't hard, hard to find. I mean, you could literally drive to any Walmart, and I guarantee you 100% they'll have a CR2032 that's name brand. And I actually just found at Costco they you can buy, like, a 20-pack for super cheap of Duracell. So, you know, just get those and then store them in a, like a cool dry place. Shout out to Costco. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't remember any follow up to this question. This is actually a, a question we chose to pick up for like podcast two, but, um, didn't have time uh, to address don't it. Don't give our tricks yet. There are tricks. We're, we're, we're giving up the farm. We're giving up the arm. Stop. All right. But, uh, um, the uh, one thing that, that struck me about that thread um, was that it sounded like the battery wasn't actually making connections with the section of the RAM that the Saturn holds that save data in. Hmm. So you know, definitely want to check to make sure there's continuity between the battery and those locations on the motherboard. Or you know, if there's 
any broken traces um, in that area or if like some cold solder joints have popped up on there, that might have caused his problem. Can you think of any others? Uh, maybe it has something to do with the internals. Maybe the, the some of the circuits are cut that connects the save to the the RAM that holds the save. Traces could be bad on them. There's only different issues. You'd really have to if it's you'd really have to go in there and inspect some of the traces and some of the connections and make sure there's not any damage whatsoever. Because I know I know a lot of people sometimes open it up and mess around. When yeah, those does. things first uh, shipped, they had like a little ribbon blocking the battery from being you know, discharged. And I, I know that it, this gentleman had uh, replaced the battery several times, so it couldn't have been that. But you know, if you're finding that your save data is not working, just pop open that battery cover. Maybe pull out that little ribbon if it still happens to be there. And congratulations for owning a very brand new Saturn. Also, uh, what you could do is check if you flip. I know it's going to sound dumb if you flip the battery the wrong way. Oh, that's a good point. Because I know I know that happened to me a lot of times when I did systems, when I worked at a certain company that did QA for hardware. Uh, basically, I I put in I put in the uh, the BIOS the bio the BIOS save battery in the wrong way so many times. Do a reset on it. No CMOS battery. Sorry, the CMOS battery. I flipped it the wrong way so many times, and it just what it just didn't work. And I thought I broke it, but I just put the battery in wrong. I also recommend, like, um, it's pretty typical uh, to, you know, pick up a Saturn from a used game store or from eBay for, like, 30 or 40 bucks. And what you might find a lot of the times is that that little door on the back is missing. And if that has been missing and that thing's been, you know, you don't know where it's been and you don't know how it's been stored, it is possible that dust... Um, oxygen you know just uh heat and humidity have gotten into that port and can cause corrosion it can make things grody if uh, and then on top of that if you've been replaced physically you know replacing the battery several times you know it might be something where you do want to go in there and just clean things up and make sure that like Kay said there is good continuity because um that that's really what it sounds like to me it's just a continuity issue Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you know if uh, do you know if the if the uh, the uh, what's it called that card will do any will affect the battery at all the uh, the MPEG card? Uh, no, they go in the same general vicinity, but they don't touch each other. They don't they don't touch close enough to knock it out or do any trace damage. No, not at all. the The card is actually suspended uh, in the air by the the port itself, and it's a it's a pretty solid port. I, grabs onto it like it was a you know a replacement nes cartridge uh mm-hmm. holder like it never wants to like a death it never grip. wants to let go right it has the, the death grip on that thing that sounds like that sounds like a fun time to pull out and where if you broke yeah well yeah. at least it's not a lithium polymer battery that like blows up and <laughs> explodes on you over time Actually, that's a, a great point that like having a battery that's been in there so long that it has leaked and corroded stuff there and it's also a decent thing to check out for sure that, that actually so, is a good point i don't know why i didn't bring that up i was trying to lead people there but it just didn't quite get there but you um, just said it no I, I won't lead you guys on anymore yeah you better not it will be okay honestly. but if you're not afraid to get your hands dirty um you know get a screwdriver open it up and just inspect it you know and um you know the, these machines are i mean they look complex but there's usually a 
a reasonable answer to these things. And, and like, like Kay said, I really think it sounds like a continuity issue. If you're just replacing it over and over and you're turning it off and then turning it on and the save data is not there, the information is held in RAM and then it just sounds like it's just not getting power. So um, as a side note to this, and I wanted to make mention for anybody who is kind of having a problem uh, of this nature where your save games are not being saved, um, and you don't want to go out and replace your system and you can't find what's, what's wrong or you don't have you know, the know-how to figure that out. OEM uh, we have cart? options. We, we have options, right? So yeah. um, you have different methods of saving data on the Saturn. Primarily the internal um, RAM is what you'd save your data to. But you also have uh, the option of using a save cart. Um, there are two basic types of save cart. Uh, you have the official memory card, um, which allows for direct save. And you have um, things like the action replay, which uh, has its own save uh, utility. If you're serious about your save games, I highly recommend going with either a uh, official memory cart or the Saturn Gamers cart, which works in a very similar manner. Um, shout outs to Cafe Alpha. He's uh, the creator of the Saturn Gamers cart. We've plugged him before. I'll plug him again. He's also the current maintainer of the code for Pseudo Saturn, uh, Pseudo Saturn Kai specifically. And uh, that card is fantastic. It automatically backs up your saves as soon as it boots up. You know, anything it finds on the internal um, memory. And that's one of the gamers' cards. It's not the regular Pseudo Saturn Kai firmware. Right. So Pseudo Saturn Kai is the software. The Saturn gamers' card is the hardware. And the combination of the two together on um, you know specifically that Saturn gamers cart gives you save game features that you won't have uh, on the just you know pseudo Saturn flash to an action replay how much and do those comes, usually run um, I want to say the gamers cart was about sixty dollars or so um, wasn't bad at all uh, not too bad I I have that as my default cartridge now um, the only time I pop that out is if I'm testing or you know flashing for someone. Um, or if I am uh, needing to play a game with four or one meg RAM, then I'll swap it out for that. Is there a possibility that he'll add RAM banks in the future? Yes, it's in the cards. Um, it, it looks like late 2018. Okay. Uh, is when that's, you know. Because that would be a huge selling point. Yeah. I mean, as it is right now, I'll, I'll tell you that um, being it able like to. It's a good value now. Well, yeah, I mean, because it still runs pseudo Saturn Kai, so. Mm -hmm. You're immediately, you know, able to um, do everything that a pseudo Saturn on an action replay can do, with the exception of one or four meg RAM, you know, required games. Games, yeah. But uh, it has added bonuses, like you can throw Homebrew onto the SD card and run Homebrew. You know, you can code for the Saturn yourself and put it onto an SD card, pop it into the uh, slot on top of the gamer's cart, and run your code. And, and you can so export all of your saves. You can export all of your saves, yeah, onto PC. Um, Cafe Alpha is actually archiving all of them, so whenever someone gives him a dump, he has it available online. We're coming into the age where things like the Dex Drive and the Game Sharks uh, for other systems, the Saturn is how you know up to par with being able to distribute save data. Kind of nice. Cool. I mean, it was able to do that with the comms port before right but that was a really janky method right yeah and that actually brings us back to the action replay um what most people don't realize is that the action replay like stock software 
um, it does allow you to do save data, but it's roundabout, um, where you, you'd still have to save to the internal memory of the Saturn, and then get out of your game, uh, you know, lift up the lid or you know, eject the disc, and go into um, the utility for. Uh, Oh, so I'm sorry, you don't have to eject this. Just reboot it with the action replay in it. And then it has a save game utility. And what it does is it takes the data that it finds off of the Saturn internal memory, compresses it, and drops it onto a writable area um, of the cart. The problem is, is that whereas the Saturn itself does not allow you to have multiple save games of the same, uh, you know, multiple save data of the uh, same game, the action replay doesn't care. So you can make, this is both a benefit and a curse, right? You can make five or six different copies of your saves at different points for, you know, like Shining Force 3, but you won't be able to tell which They're one is which. Thing. They're all named the same thing. So unless you know exactly what date it was when you did it or can remember what games you played in between, you end up like having 15 save games or whatever. Um, or you have to delete the, the old game. one and then overwrite it. It's a chore. And it is, it is in the truest sense, uh, just a backup method, yes. not, uh, not a true save solution. And, and that leads me to another question. When it, when it comes to the OEM carts and the Saturn Gamers cart, what's the compatibility or, um, on that direct save feature? Do all the games support direct save? No, no. Um, so which ones do? Or do, like, do most of them? There, I would say that most of the RPGs um, had support for direct save. Primarily, Dragon Force um, has direct save. Mm -hmm. Shining Force Three has direct save. Uh, Saga, Panzer Dragon Saga has it. Um, my favorite wrestling game of all time, Fire Pro Wrestling, has a huge benefit if you use a, anything that um, identifies itself as an official cart. Well, the the um, backup RAM cart. Mm -hmm. So th there are quite a few games that will support that. Um, and you're not limited to just cartridges. There are other options as well. Floppy um, disk drive. The floppy disk drive, one of my favorite peripherals. Um, you have a lot of money just, just burning a hole in your pocket. Well, um, I, I, mine didn't cost me all that much, actually. Really? And it got shipped from, yeah, I, I got it uh, boxed, complete, nice-shaped box. Uh, shipped from video game imports or video game importers out in uh, Great Britain, and uh, I think it cost me seventy-five dollars. Um, How when uh, was that? Oh, like two, three years ago. It wasn't too long ago. Huh. Yeah, I mean now it's you know gets crazy prices, but every once in a while you'll you'll see one that you know doesn't come with the box and might not come with its uh, power supply, but you know still the rest of it's there. Hmm. It, it's an interesting piece of history. But one of the coolest things it does is it does save data and it does direct save also. Cool. To a floppy disk too. So as to long as you disk. have a bunch of floppy disks, you know, you're good to nice. go. All right. So next topic um, and something that we've been wanting to touch on since uh, podcast two. Uh, we were very uh, heavily adamant about, you know, how awesome the import library is for the Saturn. You know, not just Japanese, but also some games that were in English that didn't come out. Uh, here in the states and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about you know the different methods of being able to play imports on your saturn as well as other things that you can play on your saturn so very basic overview uh, 
there's a misunderstanding uh, about the Saturn protection architecture, both in its region protection and its copy protection. Uh, back in the, I guess, mid to late 90s, when you know Saturn was getting pummeled by the PlayStation, uh, piracy started showing up in the form of HK Silvers and bootlegs from uh, Hong Kong. And you needed a mod chip to be able to play these things. Uh, but we also had a very strong import scene, you know, back in those days. Uh, you can see at the back of any copy of EGM where, you know, you had listings of import games that you could, you know, do a mail order on. And for the PlayStation, the mod chip defeated both the region protection and copy protection at the same time. When a Saturn mod chip was developed, people assumed that it would function the same way. But the Saturn architecture is different. Uh, the jumpers there are uh, four sets of jumpers on a saturn motherboard that dictate what region it's hardwired to and you can find plenty of technical information about how it works um, but one of the first ways of being able to play uh, different regions on your saturn was by manipulating these jumpers and uh, that led to a switch you can install a switch somewhere uh, flip which uh, jumpers were active or not which ones were given high or low logic so are these and, are these like a are these like dip switch jumpers or are they actually like solder solder joint uh, switches they, they're basically like resistors and wherever the resistors were soldered into was um, giving the logic for that jumper pair each jumper. I gotcha. It's it's kind of a, a weird architecture, you know, for my mind because I again I'm not an electrical engineer, but um, we have to talk to Dave's wife. Um, the uh, jumper six seven, um, one of them, if it was uh, set, would put the logic for the jumper pair to low or you know ground plus zero V. Uh, the other one would put it up to plus five V, but there'd be a common point between the two of them. So if you removed the resistor, you know, or, or whatever that was uh, in place and soldered a wire to the common point, um, then you could set up uh, your switch to either provide, you know, plus five or, you know, high or low uh, logic, plus five or zero. And it would determine the um, logic for that particular pair. And you could then set it up for um, three sets of jumpers, you know, so a total of uh, six jumpers across those three wires. And that would determine, you know, whether you were using uh, the system for U.S. region, uh, Japanese region, or European slash PAL region. If you added the fourth wire, you get like um, a whole bunch of other regions that really weren't as important and weren't used very often. So that led to the switch. Um, someone figured out some programming and you know made a, a IC that you could um, use the reset switch to change your regions instead of having to use a physical switch, and that was kind of cool. Um, but that all ended up leading to um, what we have today as an option, which is your universal BIOS. And someone hacked the BIOS on the Saturn and made it uh, so that it sends out a uh, perfectly fine region code whenever it's asked. It doesn't matter what region your jumpers are set to, as long as your jumpers are set to a valid region, the universal BIOS will work. I don't know if it, do either of you guys have a seen a region switch on a Saturn or used a universal BIOS? Yeah, at this uh, game shop I, I go to, they have one that they're trying to sell for like $300. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I had a switch on, on one of my machines uh, ways back, but um, I don't I haven't uh, messed with the universal or the phantom 
I mean, my uh, I have the old Rob Webb chips in my machines. Oh well, so those are the the mod chips. But have you ever like worked with the Universal BIOS? Oh no no BIOS? no no. Technically, I'm getting a Universal BIOS for my MVS, but I think that's completely different. It's a, a similar um, similar think, concept. concept, but you know, for the Saturn, you actually have to um, remove a surface-mounted IC and then re-solder that. It's about thirty-two pins. I okay. Think. Yeah, no, I think I've I think I've just been playing imports with the action replay. It's not the yeah. same because if I took it out. Yeah, the, the 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 mod chip wouldn't defeat region. Yeah, so it's just the action replay. Yeah, in so, my opinion, in my opinion, uh, I think with the way the the games are nowadays and the prices on the Japanese Saturn, I think a lot of people would more than likely just want to get either the pseudo Saturn Kai or maybe just get a dedicated Japanese Saturn. So I think the Japanese ones are the ones that that, re- that sometimes require special cards for them to run compared to the European releases. Yeah. Well, for end user, you know, friendliness, the um, region-free BIOS is is honestly the the best way to play, because you don't have to have a cart in there to play import games. And it whereas if you had a switched system, um, you'd have to switch the system um, before you turn it on the power. You turn on the power and then pop your game in. If you wanted to switch uh, to a different region game, you'd have to power off the system, flip the switch, and power it back on. Mm-hmm. Universal BIOS just straight up doesn't care. You flip the lid open and swap disk. It doesn't matter if you went from you know PAL to US to Japan and back. It will just take it. You know, close the lid yeah. and hit start. So how is... difficult is the soldering work for that? I, I would say it's uh, probably a, a five or a six. I mean, because it's older technology, um, the pins aren't as close to each other. You don't want to be a novice to do this mod, but there are some modders out there who will do this mod for you for a fee or sell mm-hmm. you a pre-modded system. I actually sell some of these as pre-modded systems, um, but we know that there's several guys in the forums, especially in Trade Cell Collect, um, who have a, an excellent package, an excellent price. I think uh, uh, I want to say Dave Keys. I've, I've, if I missed your name, man, I'm sorry. Um, he and I have been talking about uh, doing a, one of these mods for my Navi. Uh, so really good work that he's done comes with uh, lots of favorable reviews so if you're afraid to touch a soldering iron yourself for that kind of mod you know, but you still want it you know, reach out to the community there will be someone who can help you otherwise just like you know, Patrick and David said you have options for region based completely on cartridge uh, GameShark in the US will play imports if you hold X, Y, and Z um, when you start your game uh, the action replay without any modifications will do it, and so will pseudo Saturn and pseudo Saturn Kai. Uh, any cartridge that supports that software will do it as well. And the gamer's cart. Yep, the gamer's cart yeah, will do game. it because it's okay. pseudo Saturn. Um, there are a few more obscure carts out there. Uh, one of my favorites is the ST key. I mean, that's all it did. I can't say it's my favorite. It's my favorite to laugh at. It, it's it, classic. It's a classic. <laughs> the original one. importer's cartridge. Right, uh, and that's all it can do. It, it's worthless in the world of pseudo Saturn, you know, in action replays. Sure, but so, in '96, you know, in '96 it, it was fantastic. That's how you played the Capcom games, you know. Right, Capcom fighters. One thing that the, sucks though is that some of those ga- the reason why you want to get some of those modded is because you can't play them with some of the RAM carts. Yeah, you need yes. the you need the RAM. Hey, so with the region free BIOS, 
what what BIOS ROM image is it booting? Is it the High Saturn? Um, you can modify any of the BIOSes out there um, for uh, being region free. So it would just boot up with the same intro. If you wanted the um, same intro that you always have on your system, just find the BIOS that you you know matches your system. There's a version number for most of them. If you, you know, look around in the system settings. And you can get the same intro. But and you just you flash the chip or something? Or? Yeah, when when they burn the ROM um, file to the IC, uh, it, it comes with the whole kit and caboodle. So when, gotcha. you, when you program that IC. I gotcha. But some of those BIOSes, I, I can't really recommend this for those who aren't you know used to programming their own uh, integrated circuit chips, but um, you can... Uh, Put a BIOS from a different Saturn into yours. So, for example, um, I have a an April 1996 uh, oval button Saturn, and I put the uh, BIOS for the same generation uh, high Saturn onto mine, and I put it onto the, that chip and you know, installed it uh, for region free. So when my you know US system starts up, it's actually got the high Saturn logo. Does this have the same sound to the wham wham thing, or is yeah, it... that's all built into the BIOS? Oh, cool. So hmm. swapping the BIOS, like I've had American systems that I you know modified with the Japanese BIOS. I've had the the V Saturn BIOS. Um, just kind of be aware, you know, try as hard as you can to match up um, your hardware, like your motherboard revision, with a BIOS that would be found on that motherboard revision, uh, because you know you do have the early end BIOS, uh, you know, for the, the very first uh, oval systems. Uh, and it's a slightly different BIOS for the ones that are round button systems and came later. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want to mix and match um, between different hardware revisions. But, you know, mixing and matching between different systems on the same hardware platform is fine. Yeah, I saw your white Japanese Saturn, the round buttons that had a high Saturn boot up as yeah. well. That's cool. So, did you guys want to talk uh, talk about actual backups now? That's a really good option for a lot of people to play some of these import games. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. So, the the other aspect of the protection scheme on a Saturn was copy protection, and unlike a Dreamcast, you can't burn a game and just drop it in and expect it to play. You actually have to have some sort of method to trick the Saturn to think it's a legitimate disc. There's definitely a lot of options to do that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first and most famous was the swap trick. Um, infamous. Infamous. I cannot recommend anyone do this, but it is not difficult. So we don't want to give you false information. I can't say that this is safe. Dave, do you, you, what's your opinion on the swap trick? <laughs> it's uh, sacrilege. I wouldn't. I would never do that to any of my consoles. The the only time I could I would make an exception for it was installing pseudo Saturn and you don't have a chipped system. I mean, I wish there was some kind of... When I did that with my PS2, there was like a key that you could you could disengage the drive. There was like a, a nice, neat way to do it. But with the Saturn, there really isn't. You just have to like, you know, slam it down there and then like pick up the disc off of the spindle while it's spinning and, you know... Oh, just... really? <laughs> Actually, sir... Um, the swap trick involves taping the lid sensor down so that the drive doesn't recognize that the lid uh, is open. Sure. There, 
there is a cart that came out to take advantage of the swap trick. Oh, okay. And there were actually two of them. Uh, one of them was called the Magic Card V2. You'll see that on eBay every once in a while, especially if you follow Satacore. Uh, and the other one was the Exterminator V3, which is a cheat device um, cartridge, like, you know, action replay, um, but has a lot of neat and very unique features. <laughs> one of those features was uh, the ability to stop the rotation of the spindle. So this is the only way I can advocate the swap trick, is if you have the uh, Magic Card V2 or the Exterminator V3 and know how to hit the button on the right uh, menu location to actually stop the disc from spinning. But how much do those cards cost, you know? Like, that sounds, still sounds like a huge pain in the ass. Oh, the... It, it is definitely a pain in the ass. And you could go ahead and risk your, your you know legitimate game or your laser by trying to do the swap trick manually. Um, but this is if you're going to do the swap trick anyway... Use the magic right, key. Use one of these carts that are designed to take advantage of this exploit. But you know, guys, we don't need to do any of that bullshit anymore because we got a better solution. A we way better solution. Better. So um, the better solutions, right? The very first better solution that came out was the mod chip or mod board, as it was known back in those days. And it injects the appropriate response to the CD block when the CD block asks for it. Um, I'm pretty sure it just rains down hellfire with that proper response code. It doesn't have any timing that's... Um, yeah, it's just... Just yeah. like shoots shoots out the data. It's good. 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 Just go. Just go. Let's go. Take it. Run. Go. Boot, play. Boot. 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 Looks yeah, good to me. Exactly. Um, and so I find you know, and I I love the the Nintendo Saturn work and what's come out of it. But the the best end user experience is going to be utilizing a mod chip with like a, a region free BIOS or some other you know region switch something like that. Um, we have a newer mod chip that's come out in the last few years by some of the guys at Assembler. Um, I want to say it was a 0K, and that's known as the Phantom Universal. This is the only mod chip slash mod board I can recommend. I don't know about your guys' experience, um, but it is it works on all Saturns. There's uh, even a modification you can do to it to have it run on Sanyo drives. Mm -hmm. uh, this, is, this is the chip that people have been waiting for and mm -hmm. don't wait for it anymore. Um, yeah. You know, either get it from the assembler forums, get it from Zero K himself. I sell them. Uh, people will sell pre-modified systems. You can get this chip. It's inexpensive, and it's worthwhile. Uh, doesn't even require all that much technical knowledge. But you know, there's actually an option. You might be thinking, I don't know how to solder, man. That's a lot of work. But we got a hookup for you that'll be just as good for you people that don't want to do all that stuff. And that would be getting pseudo Saturn. Yeah. So, pseudo Saturn. Um, again, if you want to find out more about the technical history of it, um, you know, check out the assembler forums. Uh, there's a great deal of history there. Um, this is all involving uh, JHL, JLH. Dave, help me out there. Uh, what are Dr. we talking Brasive. about? Doctor Brasive. Oh yeah. yeah, James Laird. James Hetfield. So. Um, he did the reverse engineering of the Saturn CD protection block, uh, got it completely you know, decrypted and figured out how everything worked. Um, and from that research, Cyber Warrior X uh, developed a proof of concept, uh, pseudo Saturn. And what it required was patching you know, your, your ROMs, your uh, disk images, 
um, so that it would be recognized in the header as being a Sega Pseudo Saturn as opposed to a Sega Sega Saturn in the header. Um, then they moved forward and they put out uh, uh, a version that didn't require the patch anymore. They figured that out. And um, then there was a third revision, Pseudo Saturn 0.832, um, that was even more based on uh, Dr. Brace's, you know, uh, his work. And then Cafe Alpha took over, and we have today Pseudo Saturn Kai. Um, it combines both methods into one and uh, has a countdown timer to go to the most compatible. Uh, but the software overall is fantastic. It lets you play pretty much any game. Uh, you know, burn a copy that's a good copy and toss it on there. If it doesn't work in the uh, CWX launcher, run it in the JHL launcher. Uh, like Panzer Dragoon Saga is playable. I, I can't stress that enough. Panzer Dragoon Saga is playable. With Your wallet Earth. will thank you. Right? Right. Unless you know you want to pay six hundred dollars for it, but you know what? That's your choice. You guys have anything else you want to say about pseudo? Uh, I I've been using it for years now, and it's it's a really good solution. I I I can't do a lot of soldering stuff that's like that fine, but it was one of my first options, and it's been working for me for a good two years. Uh, it's great if you want to try out games, if you just want to throw something in. And yeah, I definitely would recommend it for people that don't have that knowledge of soldering but want to take advantage, full advantage of their Saturn. Exactly. And if you're not a stranger to just soft modding, it, it really is the soft mod for the Saturn. And it's going to be the best option, definitely. I mean, I've used pseudo Saturns before. I don't personally have one right now because I just don't have a need for it. Um, but um, I have another console in the you know in storage and. That doesn't have a mod chip in it that I'll probably be uh, flashing myself a, a pseudo Saturn at some point here. But uh, but yeah, they're they're great, especially the newer ones. And Kay, you, you sell them, right? You flash them and sell them. I do. If you can't, um, if for whatever reason you can't, uh, you know, do the flash yourself, either you you don't have someone with a pseudo to help you with it, or you don't want to do the swap trick. Um, or you don't have a mod chip or someone with a mod chip, uh, I do sell them. Um, I actually have uh, stock coming in from Hong Kong in the next week or so. So we'll get those out to you and pre-modded and ready to go. We'll probably be selling a lot at uh, PRGE, honestly. Cool. So if you're PRGE, stop by his booth and uh, pick one up. Now, the last way of playing uh, copied games onto your Saturn is through an optical drive emulator or through... Uh, Professor Abrasive's uh, project. Um, you know a lot more about that project right now, don't you, Dave? Well, yeah. When and if it comes to fruition. I mean, I'm sure it sounds like he's been working on it long enough that uh, he's determined to finish it. I mean, and he has a he has a working prototype that he uses personally. So, Unfortunately, um, the project's now on hold currently because he's uh, having some issues uh, personally, so... Uh, oh. We might have a longer the delay than we expected, but yeah. To be really honest, is. to be honest though, I think it's going to be worth the wait. A moment of um, you know, concern for him. I mean, I hope everything goes well for him and his family and his personal life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, the same here. Best wishes, and maybe we can get him on the podcast. We can get a little in-depth discussion about that. That'd be kind of kind of fun. Yeah, that would be rad. Yeah. 
I'm a fan of it. Uh, I'm a fan of his work, if not necessarily like you know. I, I had a chip on my shoulder for a very long time, and Dave helped set me straight uh, because of that horrendous uh, headlined video about you know the Saturn being you know cracked and defeated. Uh, it, it was sensationalism meant to to grab you know people's viewership, and it did. But um, his work is fantastic. His work is the reason we have pseudo. So even if you know this never comes, uh, you know, to fruition as being a, a actual device that you know released to the public, we all owe him a debt of gratitude. If you use a pseudo Saturn cart, uh, same to Cyber Warrior X and same to Cafe Alpha. I mean, these guys are legendary now in the Saturn scene. So thank you all. Thank you. Um, he's also he's also working on. Well, he also has it working. Um, you know, wireless control over a network. And then wireless video feed over a network so he could share a stream from the hardware uh, over a over a teleconferencing network. Uh, And he, you know, tuned it up so that it works really well with the Saturn. And he did all of that just so that he could work on it from another room in his house. But he was able to show gameplay footage to, um, uh, you know, was it Rob from Metro RGB? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, the the fact that he he's he's got a lot of stuff kicking around, you know, um, and and I get sure. that, you know, he's got life, and then he's got all these projects competing for time, and and um, it really is one of those things we're just gonna have to kind of file it away and forget about it for a while, because um, it'll come up, and when it does, you know, then we'll all, you know, scramble to get on a wait list, but uh, but for now. There is drive emulation, and yes. that was what you were leading us to, right, Kay? Yes, yes, it was. Um, GD uh, EMU uh, it's a pretty well-known device for the Dreamcast. It's not the only device out there, um, but the gentleman who makes that device uh, also made two for the Saturn. Um, the differences between the two... The Rhea device, R-H-E-A, so if I'm mispronouncing that, someone shoot me. Rhea, Rhea, yeah. Um, it's for model. De- oh, oh, were you about oh, to say that? No, no, <laughs> that's why I, I, I caught myself. Band. Saturn band. Um, it's for 20-pin uh, ribbon cable uh, systems, you know, connecting between the CD-ROM uh, board and the motherboard. You know, model-worn systems, right? 20-pin <laughs> and 21-pin. <laughs> Yes, and the reason why we have to designate it this way is because there are quote-unquote model ones that have 21 pins. So just because you look at the outside and you see a noble button does not necessarily mean it is compatible with Rhea. Yeah, you always got to look on those drives, or on the boards, sorry. Yeah, there are ways of telling the you know what revision of hardware you have by looking at the serial number and decoding it. Um, but that's another podcast. The main thing to look at if you know, you want a for sure piece of knowledge, count how many pins your uh, cable between your motherboard and your uh, CD-ROM drive board has. If it's mm-hmm. 20, then you need a Rhea. If it's 21, you need a Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Um, these are fantastic devices. They replace the optical drive entirely. Um, by putting one in, it also defeats the uh, lid switch. kind of automates the lid switch process there is an optional mod for this where you can um, do a uh, 50 60 switch uh, as well Uh, i can't recommend that for newbies at all you have to lift a pin on the video chip itself 
um, or find an alternate point and not a lot of Saturns have that alternate point. But um, doing so and configuring the operating system, um, you can have it automatically switch to uh, 50 hertz um, for European games. It will auto-detect region, and if it detects a European region, it will switch it to 50 hertz if you want it to. Hmm. So will that, will that Ray and Phoebe, will that make it uh, region-free so you can play like police knots and stuff, or is that still that same issue where it requires you to use some device to get it? get the region switched completely region free um configurable within the software you can actually choose to have it all run one region um i don't see why anyone would do that but it is an auto region detect so if it detects a japanese disc it will boot japanese if it detects a korean disc it will boot korean now do you have to give it special prepared game images that are proprietary to the drive emulator not so much proprietary to the drive emulator. Um, I, I've spoken a lot with the developer uh, regarding compatibility. And uh, it it likes uh, CDI images and it likes uh, CCD or clone CD images. Um, CDI, is that disc juggler? Disc juggler, yeah. Okay. Um, it also can handle and accept MDF, I think, which is from Nero. Right. Is it Nero or alcohol that did MDF? Uh, they both? Nero. Nero. MDF. Okay. Um, the main point to take away is that it seems to uh, favor uh, images that are proprietary, and mostly you can only find these on Windows. Um, I had a, a long discussion with him, and he actually you know, convinced me that this was the right way to go, um, about supporting BinQ. It's the most common format, uh, secondary... Uh, common format would be like ISO plus MP3 or ISO plus Wave. Um, these images are inaccurate, and it's kind of what right. started me off on my uh, my archival project. Um, they're lacking information, uh, structural information. Right, and as a result, um, some people have been able to get some of these BinQ images to function. Um, some of them have been able to get like ISO plus MP3 to function on Rhea. It is completely not supported, and by default, they don't work. You have to alter your image a little bit to get them to work. Uh, I argued with him about uh, you know, the need for being able to support these because Linux users and Mac users may not have the ability to burn uh, these other images. And uh, I don't have a Mac, so I can't tell you uh, for Mac users, but Linux does have some options uh, for some of them. And the only reason this would ever come up is if you have, you know, a real Saturn plus uh, like a Rhea or a Phoebe installed on a different Saturn and you want to maintain only one library of images and don't want to switch back and forth between formats. Because honestly, switching it back and forth between different uh, disk image formats is kind of a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Clone CD, CCD format is the most compatible um, that I've seen. And that's my archive project. Yeah, but yeah. that's really, really interesting. We definitely, uh, def I definitely want to pick one up, but isn't it like about 200 euros or 200 bucks for that? It's uh, 130 like euros. Yeah. And, and then you gotta get it on a list, right? and they sell out like as soon as. Yeah. Th I there think are obviously downsides. My it. only issue is the, all the folders, you know, like the, the, the structure of how you have to 
have everything stored in a separate folder. I think that if it seems like um, it's going to get more elegant, I mean, just like pseudo Saturn has come a long way. It seems yeah. like, you know, give him time and it, it uh, just like the ever drives have become more elegant, you know, I'm kind of waiting, holding out on that. Well, our menu, which was developed by the community, um, came about and made it a lot better because originally mm-hmm. when you, you did your folders, you, this is one of the pain points. Yeah, admittedly, this is a big pain point for me too, is trying to remember what folder you have what game in because you can't name the folders anything but a number. Right. Um, however, with our menu and uh, and its setup, it scans through your folders, builds a list off of the header information of what games you have. The original version of our menu um, kept the games listed on the screen for you in the order that they appeared um, for your folders. So if you had like Zap uh, Snowboarding 98 uh, and then the very next thing was Albert Odyssey, well, you'd have a Z game and then an A game. The current version, when you run the executable, um, it actually uh, sorts the header information alphabetically. So your list shows up in proper alphabetical order regardless of what order your folders are in. Cool. Sounds interesting. All right, guys. Well, we're uh, we're almost at time, so why don't we uh, make our big announcement before we uh, close out the podcast? All right. Um, so, as we mentioned at the beginning, uh, this podcast is the official uh, release of the uh, unreleased game called Armed, also known as Aftermath. Uh, we're going to give the URL here in the podcast, and we'll uh, once it gets. You know, published to the world, we'll have a link with the decryption key for it because uh, it's on Mega. It's the easiest way to not crash my server. Um, you <laughs> will need a pseudo Saturn cart, uh, you know, or a gamer's cart with pseudo Saturn on it. The swap trick, a mod chip, some way of playing a copied game to be able to utilize this, or even play it on an emulator if you want. Yeah, you can play it on emulation. It's already CCD format, so if you own a Rea, you can just drop it into a folder and rebuild your menu structure, and it will work. The URL is https colon forward slash forward slash m-e-g-a dot n-z forward slash pound exclamation point lowercase o lowercase e as an echo uppercase i as in India the numeral three, uppercase V as in Victor, uppercase D as in Delta, the numeral six, uppercase K as in Kilo, OEI3VD6K. That will take you to mega.nz where you can download the image. And when this gets uh, published, any place where we put it out, um, we're going to have the decryption key and the full link. So yeah. thank you everyone for you know letting us do this. Don Russell, Drew Kearns. Um, I want to thank Fireball from Redump.org for you know helping to verify the data. And yeah. All right. Did you? Uh, what exactly is the game about? Well, okay. So it's set in the future. It is a two D platforming shooter kind of. You're on a manhunt after. A traitor who I guess is was like a leader of the network that you were working with and he betrayed and then you're having to hunt him down and and find him I guess uh, that's what I'm getting from like the articles that I've read and then 
um k what what can you say about it have you played through the whole thing i have not um there's video of drew um who until very recently owned the disc um he played it from beginning to end to show that it worked um you know we're, there was a lot of concerns because some of the uh, pictures of the disc showed data holes in it mm -hmm. um, for anyone who is concerned about that uh fireball from redumped uh had confirmed that the uh the data on the disc is perfectly intact the um, read errors and the data holes that occurred all happened in the audio tracks so when you play it you probably are going to hear some scratchy audio at some point um, that's the data that's missing but all of the actual game code is 100 intact and completely uh you know completely preserved see the controls for me i felt they were a little stiff and to be honest like i don't think this game is anything special outside of the fact that it's an unreleased game for the saturn exactly the cool novelty but, project i mean it's it's no police knots but you know um since we touched on that i i know we're running very quickly out of time but um did you want to talk about like the dangers of poor media because we, we're gonna have a lot of people very interested in burning this game so essentially, with a media that's a little bit cheaper, uh, they have a less reflective layer, which means your system has to work a lot harder to read that data on the disc. Well, if you get a more reflective layer, like, like a silver sort of sheen on there, it's a lot easier to read the discs. And unfortunately, a lot of the discs you get like at Walmart or Best Buy or those, those very low-quality discs, you know, like, like um, the Memorex. Low quality, exactly. and your laser is going to work a lot harder, which means it'll die a lot faster. So what and you want? The lacquer is cheap too, so they oxidize quicker. Exactly. So you'll have your discs dying a lot faster. So let's say that you have from 1999 of blazing lasers you put on there, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Or whatever game you play on your Saturn might not work, because I know a lot of people that you know you get the older disc and you try to play, it's like, oh, it's not working anymore. What's going on? Yeah, and your laser has to basically squint, uh, essentially, you know, to be able to read that data. And um, and then, you know, you get into this habit of adjusting the pots on your laser, which is basically lowering the, uh, the resistance of the circuit, increasing the uh, voltage. And that's going to burn out the pot in a shorter period of time um, because, you know, those things are basically a two-volt system and it has a very small amount of tolerance you know so i know that's something people do a lot with the dreamcast and they just say you know well i'll just get another dreamcast or i'll just buy another laser but you know these things are becoming harder and harder to find um and the prices on replacement lasers is going up you know and then even the replacements that you get are cheap and unreliable yeah man i pay like 25 bucks for my last uh my last saturn laser Okay, and and how long? I, I mean, you know, who knows how long that's gonna last too? Yeah. How long was it sitting in a factory? You know. Yeah. And I mean, with, with the drive emulator, you know, I mean, that's a good point. Is now now with the drive emulation, it's not one of those things where you have to worry too much, but at the same time, you you kind of want to be a good steward of what you got and treat treat your stuff well. You know, gr grease those laser sleds. Don't be doing the swap trick if you don't have that magic key. Um, use high quality media that's re has good reflectivity and is not going to uh, rot out because of oxidation you know because of the poor poor lacquer you know you might think oh I'm you know I'm saving I'm gonna buy a, a, a cake 
uh, spindle discs for 20 bucks. Um, I, you know, cause you don't want to spend, you know, 50 bucks on a good spindle of discs. Well, you know, that 50 bucks, when you divide it down per disc, you might be spending a buck on a disc, but that disc is going to last you, you know, 10 years instead of, you know, two. And you're saving money and you're already saving money on those expensive games. I mean, and you're putting less wear and tear on your, on your laser and on your console, which that's the thing you, it's not as easy to replace. So. Yeah, I mean, what do you have for recommendations, Dave? I know personally I go with the, the Tao Yudin, the uh, silver silver laser media, or the silver disc media, which works pretty well. Yeah, Tao Yudin is a good brand. Uh, Kay was telling me something about them not really being Tao Yudins anymore. I don't know. Can you speak to that, Kay? So Tao Yudin no longer is in business. Uh, they sold their name and assets to CMC. And CMC does have notoriously crappy media in general. Um, I have not had, like, I've actually bought some CMC media that, you know, says powered by TY. Uh, I have not had any problems with them um, on even some of my weaker uh, Saturn lasers, ones that have already had the pot adjustment done to them, uh, because I know that those lasers are dying and will be replaced anyway, but it's kind of, you know, more of a a test to see how well does this you know, disc function. Um, so while I'm very disappointed that Tayo Yudin is not in the business directly anymore, um, I am satisfied enough with the replacement that's available that I've continued doing business with that company. Um, but they are by far not the only game in town. You know, and if you do find actual Tayo Yudins, you know, treasure them, you know, make yourself some really decent backups and enjoy them forever because Tayo Yudin used to power uh, Fujifilm discs you know, that were made yes. uh, in Japan and um, I've been giving away a lot of my old backups uh, to some of my customers uh, who have been purchasing repros or action replays for me. I give them as test discs. I, don't, I actually own the originals now so don't really have a need for them. Um, and I give them away as testist. And we're talking games that I've had for almost as long as I've had my Saturn booting right up on any Saturn I pop them into. So there's yeah. kind of my recommendation. What about you, Dave? I know you use some gold, gold, uh, gold quality discs. Um, so yeah, verbatim, uh, it's not the it's not the best. But if you if you don't get the cheap stuff, if you get their archival grade gold discs which are designed for archiving for very long periods of time. I mean, the lacquer is incredibly thick. The edges are sealed off. It uses a gold reflective um, substrate. So they're not cheap, but um, for like Neo Geo CD games, anything where the laser is old and I want to baby it, um, they seem to be a good deal. And you, I don't know, some people prefer silver discs, but, um, but you know... I don't care what they look like, just so long as they last, you know, and that they don't uh, put any stress on the console itself. And I know that you did a lot of research to prepare for that topic more in depth. Is there anything else that you wanted to add now, or is that something you wanted to save for another cast? I'll save it for another cast, because this is running really long. Alright, well guys, thanks for listening to Sega Saturn Shiro. I'm Patrick. I'm Dave. I'm Kay. And we hope you guys tune in next time and enjoy the uh, unreleased game. You See must ya. play Sega Saturn. Or die. Goodbye. Goodbye.